0: So welcome, for those who don't know me, I am Pastor Daniel, I have been on staff here for a long time. Um, I was like, how long has it been? Um, just We'll just go with a long time. Um, I, start, I started walking possibly in this building, or not really, this building, this building didn't exist yet, but um, at Res Life, like Res Life has always been home to me, and, and I have been on staff since I was 15. Um, It was like my first job was cleaning the toilets, and uh, I've had different positions since then, but I have been around here for a long time. I am very, very blessed. I am married, and I have four awesome children. Um, But this morning, I didn't actually come to tell you about how cool my family is. Uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about private islands. Now, I want you to take a minute and think about a private island. What is it? That you picture. Because you know, there, there's different routes that you could go. You could be picturing this tropical, wonderful paradise or an isolated prison. And in fact, if I was I, we'll, we'll take a poll. How many of you guys thought of something like wonderful and tropical when I say private island? Okay. How many thought of like a wasteland tiny little island prison? <laughs> All right. Four or five. Okay. So The overwhelming overwhelming majority hear private island and fun, beautiful, wonderful thoughts come to mind. Um, But I think that's part of our culture and the way that it's pushed because, but even in your private island, when you think of one that's pleasant, you're probably not the only one there, at least not for very long. You're like, I'm going to have this, this like sweet spot. It's going to have this awesome hut and some hammocks. And some of my friends are going to hang out. We're going to hang out there. And we're going to drink pina coladas and watch the sunset and catch large fish out of the ocean. Like, you, you, You've got this picture, but you're, you're bringing people in to the picture. But if you're all alone, even if it's beautiful, it'll become a prison. Um, Australia. I got to go to college there. It is beautiful, or parts of it are beautiful, parts of it are just hot. And that's all it's got going on. But it was started, or it was found as a prison. They're like, hey, it's an island. They can't escape. It's a giant island. But they just started shipping people there. But I started thinking about our culture. And our culture has made an island of most men. And and when you think about how, how things work, it is so common for men to come to their castle, aka their house, lower the drawbridge, open the garage door, quickly pull in, shut the drawbridge before exiting the vehicle just in case your neighbors are out so they don't see you. And we can manage to go from work into the house unseen and then in order to make sure that we don't have too much human interaction, we've got these things called screens. And the amount of time that is spent in front of a screen is insane. And like I was doing some, some kind of just studying, like all right, how much time do people spend in front of a screen? And, and I'm sure this isn't you. Maybe this is the guy across from you at your table. But if you just look at a TV, if you go... To, to Best Buy. And you're like, oh, this one's energy efficient. It's going to save you X number of dollars. And you're like, what kind of use are you expecting everyone to have? Yeah. And they're going, oh, we're expecting you to use your TV five hours a day. I'm like, five hours a day? I'm like, well, how much screen time does that leave you? And you're like, well, you can't forget that the average person spends over three hours on their phone. So, if you just look at those two studies, they're going, um, oh, that, that puts you up around eight hours. But a bunch of these guys said, well, you're actually going to end up doing some double time where you're rocking more than one screen at a time, so you may be down to seven hours of screen time a day. I'm like, oh, my word, I don't do that. That means someone's doing my share as well. <laughs> I'm like, that's a lot of screen time. And, and it can become this thing where we can go and replace relationship with entertainment and use the entertainment to drown out the fact that we're all alone. And we can go through this and go, well, hey, work was stressful. Work, I had to interact with other humans. Um, and then you, 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 you get in, and then you're like, oh, and, and it's a screen. And we don't realize that we are doing life as an island. And we were not meant to be islands. And, like, from the beginning... When you look in Genesis, I mean, and sometimes we think that, hey, this is the way it is because people have, are just so screwed up, and so you want to blame somebody else for the reason that we island, and, but from the beginning, when God made people, when you see God making everything, and you go into Genesis, it's, it's crazy because God starts making stuff, and he makes this, and he looks out there, and he goes, it's good, and then he turns, and he makes something else, and it was good. He makes something else, and it was good. He makes man, he looks at man, and he says, it is not good that man should be alone. Everything else he makes, he's like, this is awesome. This is awesome. It makes man, he's like, mm, there's a problem. You're an island. There's just one of you. This ain't, this ain't how it's supposed to be. And he didn't leave him alone. And I, and I begin looking at this and going, but so many of us, are doing life alone. Yes, there are other humans on the planet, but there's nobody close. There's nobody that we're actually doing life with. There's nobody who's got our back. There's nobody who's encouraging us and strengthening us as we go. And and, and you can look and you go, okay, what kind of effect does this have? And I read something that just kind of blew me away. And I figured there are... um, some benefits to having good friends. I'm like, physically, um, some of those benefits, because I, I read a study and it said that people who have good friends live longer. I'm like, well, that, do, do their friends say, hey, don't do that, you're being an idiot? Like, what, what is it that, that makes the, the people with friends live longer? And I just figured it was because, you know, they stopped them from doing really stupid stuff but this is what they said. They said, Research found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, and alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than those who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than broccoli alone. Um, (laughs) um, But... I was just shocked when I read that. I'm like, I thought the reason that friends helped you live longer is because they would say, put down the Twinkie. Um, But Twinkie or no, it says that your friends, having good friends, literally has health benefits. That being isolated um, said, social isolism sets off cellular chain reaction that increases inflammation and inhibits the body's autoimmune response to disease we not only mentally go insane from being isolated, but from from, uh, isolation and loneliness, but we get physically sick. Um, But it looked around, and they said that one in four Americans reports that they have zero friends to confide in with important matters, um, and that has nearly tripled in the last 30 years. And I would look and say, this was seriously a huge American problem, and then 2020, and we took it to a whole new level. We were like, you thought you were isolated and alone. Now you don't even need to go into the store. You can like hit it up on an app, open up your trunk when, they sh- when you show up at the store, they'll come put it in just in case you had a risk of encountering another person. And I, and I began looking at this and was shocked because the Bible addresses it and says in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another And all the more as you see the day approaching. And he goes, we need to be gathering together. We need to be encouraging one another. In Proverbs 18.1, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he rages against all wise judgment. The person who's all alone does whatever they want and destroys themselves. Have you ever heard the term blind spots? Okay, here's the tricky thing about blind spots. You don't see them. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this this deep thing, like when you think about it, you're like, well, that's kind of obvious. In the name, it's a blind spot, but it's so easy for us to go, well, I don't have blind spots. (laughs) You're like, um, if you do, you're blind to them. (laughs) But you need people in your life who will go, hey, do you see this? And you're going, no, no. I'm fine and they look at you and you go, "No, you are not treating your wife the, the way that God called you to." You hate. I know that your child is frustrating you, but that's not how you handle it. Do you have that person in your life? Do you have that person who go, "Dude, you should not be making that purchase." you don't, you, we, we've talked enough, you were just telling me about your financial struggles, that's not a wise move. Do you have that kind of person in your life? Because if, if you do life and you're like, well, I know people, I have Facebook friends. <laughs> whoop dee doo day <laughs> Because Facebook friends aren't, we have, we have often replaced relationship with spying on other people. And we're like, well, I know what they did last week. Did you talk to them? Are are they involved? And and as I looked through the Bible, I discovered that this kept coming up. And there were some people, and sometimes there's this myth that weak people need other people. But I'm strong. But Proverbs said, you're a fool if you think you need nobody. But if we were to just look at some people who are strong. So let me, let me pick on a couple of people in the Bible. Elijah. Now, Elijah did crazy, cool, amazing things. Like, he says, hey, it's not going to rain. Rain stops for three years. Like, that's pretty boss. Like, full on. So, like, all sorts of different cool things that have happened in his life. He has seen all sorts of different miracles. He went and hid, and God sent birds to bring him food, like special delivery. Forget shipped. You got like Raven Express, like dropping things off. And he is rocking it out by river. When the river dries up, God's like, all right, here, I've, I've told somebody to take care of you. i prepared somebody over here, heads over there. There's a, a girl who's out there collecting some sticks. He goes, oh, can you uh, get me some water? Oh, yeah, I'll get you some water. Oh, and can you make me a little cake? Make me a little piece of bread. Oh, I'm about to starve to death. No, thank you. I can't. I have enough to make a little cake for my son and I, and then we're going to eat it, then we're going to watch each other die. He's like, oh. Okay, well, just first make me a cake. <laughs> See what? But, and in a long story short, she does it, and for the rest of the years... Before the rain came, the drought ended, her little jar of flour refused to run out. God multiplied what was in it, and her little jar of oil just kept pouring until after the rains came, and God provided for them. He shows up, he challenges the king, who's got 400 prophets. So he gets into a battle, one verse 400. Now that's, that's pretty stacked odds. He gets up there and he's like, all right, here, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a showdown. You prepare a sacrifice, I'll prepare a sacrifice. You pray to your God, I'll pray to mine. The one who answers with fire wins. Like, all right, fair enough. And so they, they go, and the prophets Baal, He lets them go first, and they dance around, and they're like doing everything they possibly could to get their God's attention, and nothing happens. He goes, all right, after, like they had all morning and afternoon, time for the evening sacrifice, and he's like, all right, my turn. He's like, Here, douse mine with water. You've been in a drought for three years. This is like hard to come by. He's like, douse it. Go get these big old jars, fill them up. They, they like dig a trench around it, dump water on it till it fills the trench. He sends them doing laps, getting water, and then he goes, all right, he prays. Fire comes down from heaven, consumes everything, all the water, the sacrifice. It is fried. The people are like, all right, sweet. That, that's, which one's God? He's like, yeah. So kill the prophets of Baal. So 450 prophets get slaughtered. Now, you hear this and you're like, okay, <clears throat> you the man. And, oh, then to top it off, he goes, all right, now I'm going to pray and it's going to rain. It has not rained in three years. There is not a cloud in the sky. And he goes and prays, and nothing happens. And he's like, it's going to happen. He prays. He keeps sending his servant. He goes, go look for the cloud over the, over the top of the hill. After, on the seventh time, he goes, there's a little cloud about the sides of a man's hand. He says, run. Here it comes. And like, and the rains came. You're like, this guy has got it going on. And he gets a word from the queen Saying, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to make you like one of those prophets of Baal. And what does he do? Does he go, All right, showdown number two? No, he's got a moment. And instead of going to his, his servant and going, Hey, man, I know God's just done some awesome stuff, but I'm struggling, he goes, leaves his servant and runs and hides by himself. He goes, runs out in the wilderness and hides underneath a bush he says, woe to me. And this is the stupidest thing. He sits here and goes, whoa. um, and, And he sits here and asks God to kill him. I'm like, hold up. You are running because someone threatened your life. And so your solution is to ask God to kill you. There is something missing here. But do you know how common his response is? People can be strong, people can be winning, but when something hits wrong, instead of going and having people who have their back, they withdraw and they isolate. The amount of depression, anxiety, and suicide in our nation is ridiculous. It is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. And I would say that one of the contribute, the large contributing factors is that even though people are surrounded, they're doing it alone. Because having another human share similar space to you is not the same as doing life together. But that's where so many people are. If you look at Samson and you go, was Elijah really that strong? Samson was the beast. Samson had a lion come and attack him and he ripped it apart with his bare hands. Like, when a lion comes and you're just like, "Ah, ah," like, you're pretty like, that's just nuts. Like, who grabs a lion and rips it in two? Um, And just, no weapon, just, that's just crazy. He took, and the Bible says that he took the gates to a city. And he picked them up, and he put them on his shoulder, and he walked up to the top of the hill. Now, first off, that's ridiculous in and of itself when you don't know what that actually means. And you're thinking, like, the gate to your backyard. But I was reading about this. They're like, this would be the equivalent of taking a garage door, a heavy wood garage door attached to two telephone poles, picking them up out of the ground and putting them on your shoulder and then going for a walk. And then someone was telling me it was like 18 miles from where he, he started to where he threw the, threw the things. That's strong. But Samson is always found alone. He doesn't have guys in his life that have his back. He doesn't have guys in his life that encourage him, that call him out, that he's given permission and you end up finding him first falling for a girl where he wasn't supposed to be. And his parents go, he's like, get her for me. She looks good. And they go, but, but she doesn't serve our God. She's a Philistine. He goes, but she looks good. I want her for my wife. And he goes, and he goes to get married. He doesn't have men to stand up at his wedding. They hired them. They hired groomsmen for him because he has no friends. And he ends up in a mess there. He ends up then later with a prostitute. He ends up later with Delilah. And he begins to she begins to ask him, what's the secret to your power? How are you so ridiculously strong? This is not normal. And he begins to, he tells her a lie. And whatever he tells her, he wakes up and that's happened to him. And there's guys that want to capture him. And he gets up and beats them up. Now, this happens three times. You do not have to be the smartest person in the world to realize whatever I tell her is going to happen. Now, if you have a friend, your friend is going to look at you and go, this girl doesn't really like you. This is bad. But he was alone. And in the end, he told her, He got captured. They gouged out his eyes and made him a prisoner. And there's more to his story, and if you want to read it, it's in Judges. But I just begin to look at these different people, and it's easy to sometimes look at others and go, yeah, that person needs this, that person needs this. But what about me? To look And to go, hey, where's an example of somebody who had somebody who had his back? What does that look like? How many of you guys have ever heard of King David? Okay, the rest of you guys are like, I don't know, you did. (laughs) David and Goliath, he becomes king later, okay? Um, I feel like people who have no reference to the Bible have heard of David and Goliath, or at least the giant named Goliath. As a boy, David takes on a giant and it's this legendary story, but the story that many people don't know is that year, as the years go by when David was an older man, he faced another giant. A giant named Ishmi, Ishbi Banab, who was a descendant of the giant. And it talks about how big his spear was. And he was armed with a new sword. And he was excited to kill David. And it said he was going to succeed. He was too big and he was too strong. But Abishai, the son of Zuri, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. Who's got your back? Because there's days that you can smash the giant. But there are times and there are days where you need somebody that's got your back. You need somebody that'll pull you out. Somebody to go, dude, that's not who you want to be hey, that's your assistant, not your wife. Quit flirting. You need somebody who will look at you and go, hey, what did you get out of the word this week? Uh, Did you get into the word this week? No. All right, well, let's do better next week. See, we need those kind of people in our life. The, the king before David messed up And when he got, someone came to him, he just blamed everybody else. David messed up worse, but he had people that he let come into his life. And the prophet Nathan came in, threw out an illustration, and David's like, that's not okay. And the prophet goes, that's you. And he goes, oh, God, forgive me. And he repented. And later he's recorded as a man after God's own heart. It wasn't that he was perfect. But one of the things that he did was he let people in around him that would have his back, that would encourage him, that would call him out and that would be there for him whether he was stuck in a battle he couldn't fight physically or whether he was in a funk in his head and in his heart and he needed called out and called back to God. But he had people in and around him and we need people in and around us. We need people that will call us out. Proverbs 16:25 says there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death. Do you have somebody in your life who will go, hey, the path that you're on doesn't go to the place you want it to go? That path may look fun right now, but that path is gonna lead to a dead end. That path is gonna lead to a divorce. That path is going to lead to lack of integrity. That path is a lack of integrity and it's gonna destroy your career, it's gonna destroy your business, and it's just gonna destroy your person. Who is that person? Do you have that person? Are you that person for somebody? Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Ecclesiastes says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if one will fall, um, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him is alone when he falls and has no one to lift him up. Uh, so last year, over the last year or so, I have gotten into cycling, and I did a little bit of mountain biking growing up. I'm like, this is fun, and then I got married and didn't have time, and uh, a lot of years went by, and then all of a sudden, the scale started changing, and I'm like, hey, wait, what is this? And I'm like, exercise isn't happening on accident anymore. I'm going to have to do something on purpose. (laughs) And so I got an exercise bike and started riding it, and then I'm like, well, is this thing even anywhere connected to reality? So I got to go get outside and do some riding and figure it out. And my friend's like, hey, you got to ride with us. And it was crazy because I rode with him on my, I'd been riding on my own. I rode with him. And the difference that it made in a group, like, blew me away. And there is not just like, hey, I'm being encouraged. But there is a physical difference when you are working together. And you're like, but no one's touching anybody. How are we working together? We're not chained together just getting behind the other person and taking turns in the front makes upwards of a 30 percent difference in the amount of effort that it takes which is crazy but i i i felt this i rode with him and like 20 miles 20 the week before i did a ride on my own for 20 miles i'm like this is how much effort it takes i rode with him at 22 miles i'm like let's get going like, like hey wait a second I feel like I'm about to start, and I, it almost clicked. Fast forward. <clears throat> this year, I got into a large group that, that he had mentioned to me, and so there's, <clears throat> I think we were, oh, there's like 60 guys that get together, and they break into four groups by speed, and I get into one of the groups, and I'm starting to ride, but I picked the wrong group. I picked too easy of a group. And I'm like, duh, I am significantly stronger than this group. And they got two more groups for me to go, so it's not like I'm an all-star. It's just, if you get a small enough tank, a little fish seems big. But I get, I get riding, and I'm riding with these guys, and they're all, like, rotating through. I'm like, I can hold this pace on my own. This is, I got this. And so I took some longer turns at the front, and I'm like, I'll just plow for them, because I still need to work out. And so I'm just, like, trekking, and as we're coming around, and we're, I don't know, a few miles left to go, so we're 20-some miles into our ride, a little over. We get some hills, and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to just push it a little bit. G- give them a little push. And I, I may have done that a couple times on that ride, and some people appreciated it, and some didn't. But um, <laughs> so we get going down this hill, and I just, like, hammer it and use a bit of my strength and just I think there's one guy that was ahead of me coming into this, and I just went, boop, <clears throat> And I pass them, and I'm holding a pretty good clip. And I think going down the hill, we'd hit like 30 or something like that. And then I'm, I'm holding mid-20s for a bit as we're coming off of it. And I'm going, I'm starting to slow down a little bit. But I'm, I'm like, these guys were struggling. They were supposed to be averaging 20, and they were averaging like 17, so I started pulling. And we're bringing the average up. I'm way ahead of them. And all of a sudden, I'm just doing my thing there. I can hear them, and as a team. They just come by me. Look, like, what the trash? <laughs> like I am stronger than any of them. But I'm out here plowing on my own. And after a while, you're gonna slow down. As a group, they just functioning together and they'll they'll pull. And when someone pushes until they're starting to feel it a little bit, they just kind of swap off to the back and let somebody else take a turn pulling, and then th- swap off and let somebody else take a turn, <clears throat> and they can cover more. And they can cover faster. And I was blown away. And I just looked and I'm like, I just, I can like still look over and see these guys who I'm stronger than, go by me. Like what? Because we can go further and we can go faster together. And it's true in life that we can go further and we can go faster together. And and some of you guys go, yeah, but <clears throat> it's just me and Jesus. I mean, that sounds sweet. But did you re- remember we, when we started and we talked about in the Garden of Eden, God made them, and you know who was already there? God. So in a perfect environment, where there's God and Adam, God looked and said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. He goes, you need me but you need to be in relationship with other people. And I just want to challenge you <clears throat> that you need to be in relationship with other people. Who's got your back? When you start getting tired, who's going to take a turn pulling? When when you have a blind spot, who's going to go, "Hey buddy, check this. Your character's slipping." Hey, you're letting in compromise. Hey, what'd you get out of the word this week? Who's got your back? Whose back do you have? My wife and I had a a season where we recognized that we knew a lot of people, but nobody was close enough to have our back. We had to make some changes. So it's not something I'm... It's something I've been there and I've dealt with it and I've dealt with it where there were thousands of Facebook friends and there was hundreds of people who knew my name and I could go to, I could go anywhere and people would say hi and know me by name but that doesn't mean that you're not alone. If there's not people that you're actually doing life in a relationship with that can call you out and that are actually there for you, people that you would listen to, then you're still alone. Um, I want to do two things. <clears throat> if you're all alone, if, if you don't have a relationship with God, that's where everything needs to start. And I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. But then I want to leave you, I'm going to, I got like 60 seconds here, but okay. then I, I want to challenge you going, if you don't have people in your life, you need them. And I want to invite you, even around, look around your table or even at a couple tables, and to go, hey, if you're like, I got lots of people I know, but I don't, I'm not doing it with people, to set something up. And it doesn't have to be, we're going to study the Bible for five hours together. It can be, we're going to go bike together. We're going to hit golf balls together. We're going to go to the, the street light golf thing, and we're going to check on each other. We're going to do something together. We're going to have a bonfire. We're going to go swimming. We're going to... As men, it's easier to connect around an activity than to go, let's go sit and chat for hours. And maybe that's your jam. Good for you. Have coffee and chat. But but make time on purpose because relationships matter. We aren't meant to be islands. Hey, can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here... And you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's where it needs to start. And the Bible says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. It says he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. He says, "Will you make me your Lord. I have forgiveness for you. And if that's something that you haven't done, you say, you know what? Hey, I've, I know a lot about God, but I haven't been living for him. I want to give you an opportunity today to say, God, I choose you I want your forgiveness, and I want to live for you. I want to know that I'm right with you and on your way to heaven. One, two, that's you. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Three. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. God, I thank you for each person that's here. God, that you'd reveal yourself to them, that they could know you, but you would surround them with godly men. God, that you would help them to do life together. God, that they could make the most of it, that they could stay strong, that they could stay in it for the long haul. And God, we thank you that you would shine in through us. In Jesus' name, amen.